0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Toledo Matters Podcast, and here is your host, Bob Tucker. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Danny. How, How you doing, on. folks? Welcome back, Danny. You're, you're back.
1: We're happy to have you back.
2: Yep. <laughs> I had a quick vocal surgery going down. I hope my voice isn't too different. Uh, thanks for bearing with me. I mm. think
0: you sound better, right? A <laughs> <laughs> little, little less raspy, but yeah. still the same voice. Yeah. You're doing good. Yeah, thanks for doing that that you know very costly
1: surgery to benefit the podcast. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with us today is Larry Meyer. We'll get to him in a moment. Uh, Larry is an attorney here in town at the law firm of Mannahan, Petrakowski, Delaney, and Wazalewski. He's also a drummer for the Americana band Old State Line you may see around town. Uh, he's a former TEDx presenter, uh, Toledo Arts Commission board member, uh, and I know him through the Old Orchard Family Group.
0: A lot of stuff. He does does quite a bit.
1: I think the French term is bon vivant, right? Yeah. I don't speak French, so I screwed that one up, I promise. (laughs) Uh, But before we get to him, we have a little bit of a a Toledo-area sports update.
2: Toledo sports uh, just coming in real hot off this weekend from the Toledo Women's Rugby Celtics team game. We watched them play a team from Oakland University. The game went phenomenally. Our girls put up a tough fight. We did were did it matter. go
0: phenomenally for... It doesn't matter who won or who, lost. They no. played tough. That's what matters. Okay. The game
2: went well for everyone involved Good. because there was a full keg waiting for everyone there. Yep. I, I also
0: thought there was a lot of meat, too. Yep. Right? Yeah.
2: A gentleman there, I forget, probably Big Bob was his name. This <laughs> Good died. name. I like his that His grill was fantastic. He had a double propane cooker set up. He had, a, he had a smoker
0: going at one time, he had a flat top going, a whole grill the other time. He started off with like 14 pounds of bacon, and he, when he was cooking it, when he got done, he just basically screamed, uh, bacon, like come yeah. eat bacon. He actually said,
2: who wants some bacon? Start your morning with bacon. Yeah. And we all looked around like, should we? Yeah, let's go get that bacon. That's ours. Uh, so the the Celtics did well. They didn't end up winning this game this was their last game of the season so I'm tough sure was, defeat yeah it was, it was a good game all around it was a lot of fun to watch my first rugby close. game yeah.
0: and if you haven't uh listened to our show with sarah Utney, um she talked about her rugby team on the show and that's why we kind of went and it was a great time you know everybody it was, was just having a good time laughing and joking around and free food, free beer. I mean, it was pretty pretty awesome. So, we'll be back we'll be back for game one of next season for sure. March. Yeah, March. March right. it starts yep. up. Yep.
2: Back to Larry Meyer. He's here today to talk to us about his November 14th upcoming Folk Festival event. Folk Festival will, will be at the historic Ohio Theater. Tickets are $15 in advance, 18 at the door. You can find all the info at ohio toledo.org. Some of the bands that'll be joining us will be Jeff Stewart The Anti-Villains, The Ragbirds, and The Birds of Chicago, again, November 14th, at the Ohio Historic Theater. The Ohio? Can I, can we just not? (laughs) God damn
1: it. All right, well, without further ado, here is Larry Meyer. formal too i had a tie yesterday yeah
2: yeah you guys are both lawyers anybody
1: want to borrow my anybody want to borrow my (laughs) sporkum i have one i just tossed it over there yeah today we're here with larry meyer hi larry good afternoon uh larry is an area attorney and uh, musician and
0: well all sorts of stuff
1: so we're gonna get right into it larry from toledo i'm not originally I, i grew up in bryan Brian. So that's not too far away.
3: No, man. Uh, Toledo was the big city. If you came, (laughs) if you needed new school clothes or something, you know, you either went to Fort Wayne, Indiana, or you came to Toledo.
1: So do you still think of Toledo kind of in
3: your gut as, oh, I'm in the big
1: city now? Or have you gotten past that? Uh,
3: Yeah, no, gotten past that. (laughs) Seemingly, Brian's looks really small when you go back. Right. Yeah. But uh, one thing in particular was one kind of Brian tie-in uh, gave me my first uh, love affair with Toledo. What was that? Um, a real pivotal moment, man. Fifth grade, they threw our bus, threw our butts on a bus. Yeah, brought us on a field trip to Toledo Museum of Art. Nice. Oh, very cool, and uh, blew my mind. That's a bit of a bus ride for
1: a field trip in fifth grade. Yeah, it it's was. It's pretty great that they did that, though. Yeah,
3: and it was, uh, it was. I, I mean, I remember it still, uh, some very specific parts of it, but uh, that was the start. Was it the mummies that got to you? Or? Oh, you know <laughs> it. That was one of them. The mummies and the Swiss room. Okay, all, yeah. Things, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I didn't know what to call it then. I know now, I believe, they call it pointillism. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you could paint these pictures with these little dots...
1: Oh, yeah, like that face that they've had, yeah. Uh,
3: there's right. that, and there's a couple in the Impressionist right. uh, yeah. wing that yeah. are just these little, you know, little dots.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. And, and then when did you make your way to Toledo?
3: I went to college in Bowling Green, so yeah. was always was some back and forth and the occasional concert and stuff like that, but I went to law school in Toledo. And <clears> then <throat> after...
2: Law Smack the mic.
3: <laughs> Smack the mic. Sorry. Excuse After me. law school, I ended up clerking for a municipal court judge. Okay. And then one thing led to another. I got a job and and, and just stayed.
1: Yeah. So who'd you clerk for?
3: I clerked for an older gentleman who's passed away now. His name's Thaddeus Walensky. Okay. Uh, he was in his last term of office. He was uh, 75 or something yeah. when I went to work for him. Was he related to Nick Walensky? Brothers. Brothers. And okay. this guy, it also ties into the art museum and Toledo history and, and, and part of why we're here. The guy was um, old school, to say the least. Sure. He uh, was a guy that could read Greek and Latin. He was an incredible intellectual and a great, great history buff. And he would take me as his law clerk and another old, uh, one of his older buddies, and we'd go to the art museum for lunch. Hmm. And then we'd spend the rest of our lunch hour walking around, and actually, I would just follow them, these two guys. (laughs) I couldn't really hang in the conversation. Um, But they would discuss, you know, bits of history and and how these paintings and things tied in. And it was just a wonderful experience. And he was, uh, the really cool thing, he was a tie-in. Back to um, like the things, if you've ever read the book on Holy Toledo, I things no. like that, like back in the days of the speakeasies yeah. and, and Mayor uh, and Judge Homer Ramey and things like that. Yeah. Uh, back just these old school stories of Toledo in the, in the 20s and 30s when it was really this wide open place. So he was a link yeah. uh, for me uh, back to the, those uh, that thing that I could just really can't even imagine. What, yeah. was, what was that book? unholy toledo unholy toledo it, it talks about like the licavoli house over an old orchard it was owned by i could take it to us but it's like a black away from my house yeah uh, gangster by the name of licavoli owned it and a it gangster. Had, he's kind uh, of like a real life gangster he's yeah like kind of the most infamous toledo gangster right the licavoli gang and all right, right right and how these guys would come down from toledo uh, the purple gangs and stuff and right. hang out here in the days crazy days
1: very cool so, so you worked for for Judge Walensky for a year or two years or about a year yeah. pending my bar results. Sure, sure. Mm. And then so so you got a taste of
3: muni court from from the very
1: be- from, in, in, in the very beginning, right?
3: Oh man, even before that, yeah, I was an intern in the public defender's office. Oh, okay, all right. So, so yeah, you knew the score. <laughs> I knew the score. Yeah, I got paid uh, minimum wage and all the stories you could tell. Nice. So.
1: I'm just curious. Has municipal court changed over the years, or it's a little more
3: structured? Uh, I think actually, it, it is still. It's kind just saying
1: of, something because it's, it's not very it's structured.
3: structured. <laughs> well, it is the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember when you could still smoke. Right. And so it'd be all these nervous cats out in the hallway, <laughs> right, just before they get sentenced,
1: and and you know smoking
3: <laughs> out there. And one of the very first things I did on my own, as they threw me in there, and like the. One of the first jobs I had there was interviewing people uh, immediately before they would be arraigned on felony charges right. to determine if they had a lawyer or not, and um, were they going to need a continuous, were they going to need an assignment of a public defender, what's the story? First, they tossed me in there, I go on back by myself, and there's this dude, with hand, his hands are cuffed behind his back. And he's got a cigarette right hanging out of his mouth, you know, with the smoke going up in his eyes, and the ashes about two two inches long. And he w- is about to be arraigned. He had just been arrested for uh, murdering someone in the Hotel Lorraine the uh-huh. night before. <laughs> oh, geez. So that that stands out. I remember that first that first interview real well.
1: Yeah, that's throwing you into the fire right there. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, did you go into private practice after that, or?
3: Well, I've been at the same uh, law firm okay. since then. We do. Uh, primarily civil litigation, and uh, it's just something, I don't know, I've made my peace with. I haven't quite found my way out of there. Sure. But yeah. one thing it's, it's provided me that what I, what I can't complain about is a great deal of flexibility.
2: Mm.
3: And to be here taping this kind of episode, <laughs> you, you know. You're talking uh, to somebody yeah. who
1: enjoys similar flexibility.
3: That Yeah. yeah. And, and to be involved in different <laughs> uh, community uh, events and to have that uh, opportunity to pick my own times and schedule my own things. Right, right. Preaching to the choir. (laughs) So some of those other things you do, you're a musician, right? I I am. Um, You know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I played when I was younger, like really young, and literally uh, 30 years went by before I started playing again. And I dove into it with both feet and took lessons and and got some vintage gear and stuff. But uh, the end result is I became a working drummer, like at age 48. (laughs) For the first time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And uh, your your current band is Old State Line, right? It is. Yeah. is that,
1: was that the first band you were a working drummer for? Or?
3: Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, since I've had some opportunities to sit in with some other guys or yeah. sub here and there, but uh, yeah. but that's been the main thing. It started out as a jam session in a guy's house, Tom Barden's house over, over in Old Orchard. Mm. a Sunday afternoon jam session, and after a while, you kind of got looking at each other and said, you know, I think maybe we could, <laughs> let's try this.
1: And, and for those who don't know, uh, what kind of music do you guys play? Uh, Americana,
3: for lack of a better phrase. That, yeah, still a pretty broad heading, but yeah. you might say too rock to be country, too country to be rock. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe. So uh, what, what sort of venues you guys play? Um, we'll, we, our next show coming up is at Rockies. Okay. And uh, give an example, and love playing at the Village Idiot.
2: Yeah. We've played Trio and uh, Swig. Wasn't there uh, a big uh, a benefit or something you played at a couple months back?
3: let's see, which one was that? Not recently for us. We've been involved
2: periodically, though. Yeah, I think I saw it on your Facebook. In benefits. probably beginning of summer.
3: And one of the things that I've done, there's been a benefit that we, I guess I've organized five times called Raise Some Cash. Raise Some Cash. Yeah, as a benefit for the uh, Feed Your Neighbor program. And the hook was... Is that every band plays at least one Johnny Cash song, uh, <laughs> and so everything's kind of rooted towards the the roots rock Americana yeah. thing. Uh, but that allows us to have some poster graphics and thing with the with Johnny's image. And
1: do, do you guys have a go to Cash song you guys like to play? Or uh,
3: well, we're like everybody else, every other band out there. Yeah, Folsom Prison Blues. <laughs> All right. We got a couple yeah. others up our sleeve too, yeah. but yeah. Uh, that's that's the, the one that's always so the most at fun. that benefit, is everybody
1: like fighting it out who gets to play that or nobody <laughs> else I, just play the same
2: one. <laughs> I, I
3: gave up, you know, because nobody plays it exactly alike. Sure. I, I learned quickly to just let that be. Yeah. You know, it was gonna shake out. But a lot of people, uh, and it was really cool to see people come in, want to do that event, and actually maybe learn a song right. or two mm. for that event to actually throw down, not just agree to do it, but the camaraderie to actually say no, we're gonna go an extra mile, we're gonna do something special for that show, yeah, yeah. And uh, do you guys
1: play uh, what's the name of that place? The the breakfast place downtown, uh, Glass City Cafe, right? I,
3: I you know, I misspoke already because actually, our next show, <laughs> this to, uh, time we're taping here, yeah. is tomorrow morning. We play the first Saturday of the month for brunch down to Glass City Cafe, tremendous setup. If you've guys have never been down there, it's a great vibe, good people. Where good is that. Where's that at, Jackson and 11th? live music every Saturday morning. Uh, so I love it when we play, but it's a good scene no matter who's <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, um, besides a
0: you interesting guys... Interesting breakfast and music. You don't see that very often. Yeah, I, I know yeah. another
1: every month thing
3: they have is the bluegrass breakfast too, right? Right, that comes a, around, that's... um. It used to be the band Blowing Grains. Yeah. And that's really how the thing started. Right. And some people just use that g- general little title to refer to the whole series. Right. But actually, it's, it's, it's a little not different. just those guys.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I, I like getting their uh, Kentucky Brown Omelette. I don't know if you've, you can convince them to a, turn an omelette into a Kentucky
3: Brown Omelette. I'm a mini maker guy.
1: Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. What's little.
0: in a Kentucky Brown Omelette?
1: Well, Kentucky Browns, uh, what, turkey, uh, gravy, and uh,
3: cheese, <laughs> I, right? Am it's, I like, get, it's like, what's not in it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's usually a sandwich,
3: but they cram it into an omelet if you nice. ask them. That's pretty good. Um,
1: and then uh, you're pretty involved with the Arts Commission, is that right? Or? I am.
3: Um, that's one of the first things that really got involved in community projects uh, going back probably 20 years. Uh, I'm a new board member. Okay. But I've been involved doing volunteer stuff uh, with the arts commission for you know solid twenty years or more, and primarily working on events and lining up the entertainment. It's kind of where these worlds of all yeah. collide. In fact, we had to delay today about an hour because you were lining up some entertainment for something. Right? <laughs> that, 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 that is. That's exactly right. Just because it was uh, a beautiful hula hoop artist. Uh, don't let that uh, do you know get in the way.
2: Entertainment, but, man.
3: Yeah, yeah. But it, exactly for an arts commission event uh, on. Where November do you find 12. a
2: hula hoop artist?
3: Yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta know the right people. Actually, no, I know how I, I do know this is from participating in uh, one of our great Toledo treasures, the Artomatic. Right. Yeah. And saw her perform, a uh, lady named uh, Sydney Parker saw yeah. her perform at Artomatic. And so when the, it, that question came up,
0: I'm like, <laughs> hey, I know. So do you know Michelle Junod? I do. She is my sister in law. Hey, Ooh, yep. I love Michelle yeah she's good good people and i think nate didn't you do the av at automatic i i ran the stage last year so for um what was that band that was uh there so you probably saw this hula
3: hoop lady
0: um well there was a couple stages so i was in the downstairs stage so i she may not have been on the stage that i was doing
3: hey this hula hoop girl she's main stage (laughs) (laughs) it was main stage all right and then
1: um I, I also I, I primarily know you, Larry, through the, the old Orchard family group
2: it's now called, I guess. Right. Formerly
1: right. known as the Old Orchard Moms Group, but they're being politically correct, which is mm-hmm. good move. Yeah. <laughs> so Might at
2: least some male equality. Well <laughs> right.
1: Just yeah, you're right. Sure. Just what we've been missing, right? <laughs> um, so uh, I, I don't know if we've talked about the the family group before, on here, but uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, but it, it's one of the big benefits of living in or near
3: Old Orchard, especially with kids. It's it, It's been a tremendous uh, resource. Uh, man, know, that sounds yeah. kind of clinical. Uh, it's been a tremendous addition and bonus of living in the neighborhood, so much so that uh, my wife, Heather, mm-hmm. has been invited to go speak with another group um, in a week or so, the Sylvania uh, Avenue Neighbors. Oh, really? Group, mm-hmm. To talk about how this, our group, the mother's group, family group came to be, what role it plays in the neighborhood and what might be emulated uh, in in another neighborhood. But it's been, it's uh, the friendships we've made and, and, and just example like this here and, and the, the interaction with our families and our kids. And, you know, we've met a lot of people that we, you know, I think we would have liked and, and established those friendships no matter how we would have met. But the fact that it happened here in the neighborhood and built around our families is just a bonus,
1: yeah. No, I, I and my wife is not from Toledo, so it's it's been a great boon for her to be able to meet a lot of people and and that she otherwise wouldn't have, but really appreciates. It, it, it. sounds quaint, yeah. When you it first does say it,
3: and, and it, it does. But it it so it sounds quaint, but it's it's not. There's a lot of good. F- Fun stuff. There's some cool events. And if the, uh, let's face it, the kid thing we refer to as kids and cocktails oh, yeah. is still the primary event. And that's during nice weather in the summer, periodically, like maybe once every other week. I think it, it's every other week. Yeah, so, you know, it's a loose schedule. We have these parties from 6 to 9. And it's just in somebody's backyard. And you see these people push up or roll up literally with their stroller and a six pack <laughs> yeah yeah or a or, or wagon and a case <laughs> yeah and it's, it's roughly between the hours of six and nine so everybody just hammers it from between six to nine yeah and the kids have plenty of stuff to play with and, and the party's got to break up by nine because the kids got to go to bed right it's past bedtime and you you, you you're, you're partying you're hanging out with your friends you hear a kid cry and you're like wait no, it's not mine. <laughs> and you go back, what are you do? But those have been a great, uh, I mean, the informal uh, icebreaker. And the, I think the key is community builder. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I know that there's once a year that everybody at least once a year, you go down to the Old West End and you, you, you say, man, you know, I could live here. Sure. I wish I lived there. Um, Like on on the day of the festival, probably. Right, that's your primary example. Uh, And while I enjoy living here, where we live, and I I love it in in Old Orchard, but I think it's uh, it's clear and there's no need to apologize for stealing a couple pages from the playbook of the Old West End. Sure. And one of the great things about the Old West End, of course, is that sense of community. And I think that the Old Orchard family group has been key in in helping to develop that same vibe in, in our neighborhood.
1: And I don't know, are you involved with the
3: Orchard block party or no? I just see you there. <laughs> yeah. I've, our, our, our band has been lucky enough that, that's to play, play yeah, there. Okay. But I've not been, other than that, our own sure, aspect sure. of it, have not hands-on involvement in the planning.
1: I, I think one of our prior guests, I, I think I heard this from him first, Sam Melton. I don't know if you know Sam. Sure. He, he's made a comment before online and, I, and it really stuck with me about how uh, block parties are a way better thing. And I'm not saying this right than black watches. Right. Cause you you will foster a community where people care about each other and rather than a, a community where people are paranoid and like, what's that strange car on my street? Far better with like getting together and having fun together than than
0: well said. spying out a window. <laughs> well said
3: there's definitely something
1: to does, that.
0: Does that group exist? Do you guys have a neighborhood association as well and this is another group that you have on top of it or is that in replacing of the neighborhood association. There really isn't a neighborhood association, is there?
3: No, there's not. And even the the family group itself is kind of a, what would we call it, like a wildcat. Uh, yeah. It, there's no formal entity or structure. It's just some... It's a Facebook group, really, yeah, if you boil oh it nice. down to it. Really, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, I mean, we, there aren't even hard and fast rules of you must live within these boundaries to be a part of it or now No, I'm
2: still part of this group that I haven't lived in, in two years. It's just hilarious to see the stay-at-home moms concerned about kids playing in the creek every week wait what is this it's uh i used to live over by elm elmhurst elmhurst yeah i grew up over Mm -hmm. there yeah okay and i'm in the the facebook group on there and every other week i don't know if it's the same lady or a different one but there's just some kids playing in the creek out there who jump the fence and she's always one time she called the police and everyone's like really you called the cops instead of just asking them what they're doing. She took pictures. She's like, these are your kids. The cops are going to be talking to them in 15 minutes. Just like, <laughs> all right, this Sell is what down. you're doing with your Today day. on
0: Busted on Facebook. Look, yeah. <laughs> so
3: you have those two.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, so one of the things you have coming up is, is an event at the Ohio Theater. Is that right?
3: Yeah. I've been doing uh, uh, some work, a uh, volunteer committee, another Old Orchard guy, and actually a, a neighbor of mine, Ray Bosey, who's an Older, uh, retired gentleman, but was an urban planner and is involved in a number of things. And it was heavily involved in the renovation of the Valentine Theater. Okay. okay. So that's his background. And he's been involved uh, on this committee, uh, on the board, down at the Ohio Theater, at, essentially at the corner of Central and LaGrange.
1: Yeah.
3: And, and Ray came down and... and Took me down to put his arm around me and walked me down the fusion one night, bought, bought me a couple beers and uh, some half off sushi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah. And uh, got, got me involved. OK. And, I, and I've stuck around. All right. So got you involved. What, what does that mean? Like what, what have you done
1: for the theater?
3: Well, I'm on the programming committee. OK. Uh, among, among other things. But this is uh, we've I've been heavily involved in, in two events. And one was a concert on August 1st featuring Jack and the Bear. Okay. And the second really is this event coming on November 14. And really, we, we set our sights on this event first. We knew we didn't want to just do this. We had to have a, a warm-up event. And so that became the, the prior concert with Jack and the Bear. Gotcha. And Schmotel and Ben Barefoot. And so that really uh, made us, uh, let us know we had the infrastructure in place and to be able to tackle this this kind of larger event. And this is the kind of thing I've done on and off now for, uh, as it turns out, many years. Doing this kind of the intersection of the law work and a background in music or being a music fan and being able to make part of my practice, although it's a small part of it, actually deal with the business of music. And so started out doing things with the Arts Commission, lining up entertainment for their fundraisers. But that means, you know, knowing the guys or the girls, making the contacts, um, inter- you know, interacting with what, what needs to be done logistically in terms of getting, you know, we have the PA situated? Uh, do we have that all figured out? Is there adequate electricity? All these things that go into that, drafting the contract, figuring out the set, list, or not set times, and uh, then working the event kind right. of being the stage manager, telling when somebody's got time for one more song and getting the next act, trying to get the next act rounded up and get them on stage. Giving you know? people the hook. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so those kind of things. And then that led to doing some uh, other um, shows with some particular clients. Uh, really, I did a lot of work over the years with my friend Jeremy Lindsay, who a lot of people might remember from a band called The Rivermen. And then he relocated to San Francisco and then to Chicago, and the new band became JT in the Clouds. And that's the band that has morphed now into the current project, Birds of Chicago. Okay, so Jeremy's a Toledo native. We've been able to stay in touch and and still do some business I do the bands North American tour publicity yeah. and still do their legal work when that uh, need arises But they've gone on to separate management and separate sure. separate booking But we used to put on shows down at Mickey Finn's. Yeah, and uh, a night of their original music and we'd uh, Acquire the opening act and take care of that and and things of that nature so that made a perfect fit maybe to come together and do some of these other events And this other volunteer work for the Arts Commission has involved working on the soundtrack event.
1: Okay, yeah.
3: Things like that. And for folks who don't know, what's the soundtrack event? Well, the the next one will be coming up this spring. It's uh, it's been done, so not quite on an annual basis. Uh, The Arts Commission started this. They've now kind of handed it off to a new nonprofit, the... Village on Adams.
1: Okay, Um, yeah. So it's
3: largely uh, up and down, it's like a line of sight thing on multiple venues up and down Adams Street. So uh, one night, over the course of one night, something like 30 bands in 12 different venues. Something like that. So it's kind of our our mini, mini festival, one price, get your wristband, get in all the venues. Cool,
0: yeah. Yeah. Where is the Ohio Theater?
3: It's at the corner of Central and LaGrange. And, and, it's in the heart of what was the it still is, I guess, largely referred to as the old Polish neighborhood. Yeah. So it's the general area where the the Polish festival okay, is held sure. annually. The theater was built in 1921 originally. Ooh. And it's still, uh, I see the you know the website, they refer to it as Toledo's oldest neighborhood theater. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, a lot of these jewels got got torn down and whatnot. The best that I can tell from my research in the history, the about the Ohio theaters, it was largely a movie house. Hmm. Okay. So there's been a few productions and a few names there over the years, but it doesn't have that kind of colorful past as, say, maybe the Valentine. Yeah, But that's what it is. And it's been on some hard times. It's yeah. been open and closed a couple times. Yeah, that was my question. Like, Did it recently reopen? Or Yes. Um, it was acquired by United North, hmm. which is a nonprofit community development corp that's uh, active in the, the North End. And they were able to take this over and so they actually own it and they actually fund it. So the volunteer committee, the board of the um, Ohio theater we we report to an answer to United North. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Very cool. And then, so this upcoming thing on the 14th, what is that? What's the
3: show? Well, it's we're calling it a folk festival and i think that conjures up some different images for different people this this isn't your grandmother's folk music you know this is if you want michael row the boat ashore this is probably not the show sure. for you uh, our thought is maybe that use that phrase to as cutting edge uh contemporary independent songwriting and one of the frankly, the models for this is uh, the Ann Arbor Folk Festival. We've kind of somewhat modeled it after that. It's just a one-night event. But to give you an example, uh, a good friend of mine and a local working full-time musician and, and artist and songwriter, Jeff Stewart, is not only going to open up the event but act as the MC. Nice. So what Jeff will do is he'll come out, sing a couple songs, introduce the next band, and then during switchovers, Jeff will come back out, have a little setup in front and off to the side of the main stage. He'll do a couple songs, tell a couple stories, whatever, while that that switchover is being accomplished. And he'll uh, reprise that role and act as the MC throughout the course of the evening.
1: So this is an evening long thing, not a day long thing. Like what's right. Time period.
3: Your music at seven thirty yeah. with, with Jeff Stewart, uh, followed by another local band, the Anti Villains who they've developed a nice regional uh, t- touring base including you know gigs up from in the, in the Upper Peninsula to, to New York City yeah and then they're followed by a national level act, the Ragbirds and some people have been familiar with the Ragbirds because so they actually are based out of the Ann Arbor area. So they've played a few shows around here but they are a nationally uh, national touring act with uh, more of a maybe world music focus. Okay, so they fall off that side of it. I, th- I think that um, Jeff Stewart maybe uh, represents the you know the lone the solo like troubadour, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, tr- the troubadour just by virtue of the f- of the format. The anti-villains, I think a little bit more what I would term off, maybe kind of the folk slash indie rock side. And then comes uh, the Ragbirds, which are kind of the folk slash world music with a particular kind of bent on Celtic music. Yeah, I was going to ask you, world, world music, that's a pretty broad statement, right? I mean, what <laughs> yeah. part of the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, let's, let's go with that. Let's yeah, go sure, with, sure. I think there's an Irish. Okay. It's, it's a lot of their music. And then comes Birds of Chicago. Okay. Which is uh, definitely, at least in my opinion, a little more to the rock and soul side of things. Yeah. So nice variety. I'd like Um, to think so. I think it's going to be a great, uh, a great evening, and it's excited. You know, when Birds of Chicago were in town a few months ago, uh, passing through, and I had the opportunity to take them down to that theater, and they've been looking for a way to to get out of the bar gigs when they tour nationally. They play a few clubs, but they're at the point now where they play a lot of festivals and a lot of small theaters. Okay, right. Yeah. So when they come home to do a bar gig, they'll, they'll do it, and that's, a, that's the thing. But they were looking to but do. They, some, they want to do something bigger. Yeah, especially when nicer. you come home, you, you want to
1: you want to have a nice homecoming, right?
3: Right, and yeah. so if you go in there, um, and if you haven't been in, uh, it's it's funky. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the charm. It's a little rough around the edges, but it's wonderful acoustics. It has this large dome ceiling. It seats about 600 people, which is one of the really unique things about it is nothing else, or at least very few things occupy that size range, right? You, you jump up to 900 people at the Valentine. You jump up to a couple thousand at the Stranahan. Right. Yeah. So where else can you, you have an event with, say, 300 people? Your typical right. bar, y- you can't be pretty packed, bar, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and to give, a, give them that theater type show where people yeah. come sit down, it's a little bit more of a listening thing, you can have a big stage, right? And you know. And what we need to do is, you know, we're trying to spread the word and get people out to to support this kind of thing because obviously, if it doesn't get supported, it won't happen again, mm-hmm. and that theater will go dormant again. Right. But there's a there's nice uh, balls rolling. There's a nice bit of uh, nice bit of momentum uh, going. But I don't know. So all these all these things come together, man. how, uh, how can we and our listeners help support that? Tell a friend, come down to the show. You know, tickets are still available. They're 15 in advance, 18 at the door. Um, so if it sounds like something you're, you're interested in, uh, you can either buy one in advance online. Uh, at the, you just go right. to the Ohio Theater, toledo.org. And you can get them online, or we'll be able to, I'm sure you'll still be able to buy some at the door. There's a limited amount of reserve seating, which is, is going mm-hmm. very, very quickly. But our efforts here are twofold. One, we think this is, we want this event, but even spreading the word like this, there's this larger mission of just spreading the word about the theater. Right. The future th- events that I yeah. might not be able to make this one, but hey, it's yeah. in your consciousness to think yeah. about. Toledo School for the Arts have held some uh, large events there. We've got um, a, a Thing that we've done now on a quarterly basis, really headed up by Ryan Bunch. Uh, it's referred to as Spoken. And it's a storytelling, a, a spoken word event. We've got uh, coming in January, uh, our second uh, there we go. Toledo International Film Festival. And it'll, it starts in January. It's held over a couple different weekends. Um, we had a nice turnout for that. And in the spring, there'll be the Glass City Film Festival. So interspersing some projects like that, we get rented out by other people as an example. Someone held an interactive uh screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show oh, on, on Halloween <laughs> night. So there's the point is there's a slate of Seems like oh, a awesome. fun place for that. Yeah. So there's a slate of events. Yeah. And you know, it's I know where I was headed with the um the idea about you need to support it or, you know, or it's yeah. not gonna happen. And the thing still in its current posture is is uh not making money yet. Right. Okay. So it's weird. This is how grants work, right? They need a grant. I mean, it needs to go the operating budget, but that's not how they're always worded. There are restrictions, right? Sure. In the last year, they were the recipient of a $200,000 grant. Uh, but it, it had to be equipment or things that were non-permanent additions to the building. So oh. in the last year, what they've been able to do is buy a new scissor lift, To do work inside. They got a new batch of actual stage risers. They were able to supplement the stage lighting. They were able to put in a new PA. As we speak, uh, new curtains and a new film screen are going in. And... Can I do this now? We can do this. Drum roll! <laughs> <laughs> they got a liquor license. Oh, all right. Ooh, there we right. go. Yeah. So it's it's fun that you get a grant.
1: You're spending grant money on a liquor license. That's well,
3: awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Well, we want to take it there. I, I think freeing up the other that allowed us oh, to have I, some extra money to
1: pursue
2: sure, that on sure, the side. Sure. There,
3: there we go. But <laughs> yeah, so there's been some cool improvements in the infrastructure. Yeah.
2: That allows us to do this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, that's Sounds great.
2: Cool. Did uh? Did they have a Toledo soup there? Yes. Yeah, I I went to that. I thought that was a theater. The last couple soup
0: events have been held there at the theater.
2: That's a really nice place. Now that I can put a picture in my head as to
0: where we're talking about, there you go. I don't yeah, think it's I've a big room. I've ever been there. I know Michelle did go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show last <laughs> last Saturday because my brother in law was babysitting. <laughs> Does she go in costume? I I would think she probably was dressed pretty risque ish. <laughs> She's, she's got magenta
3: written all over her, I
0: think. I don't
3: know. It's just a, All right. So uh,
1: we ask everybody this. What's something in Toledo that, that you know about that you think more people need to know about?
2: Um, That's actually my you, favorite way that I've asked that question. So me far. too. You yeah. can say the parks, but like three other people yeah, did. Everybody so says, says the you'd parks. Be really unoriginal.
3: Mm hmm. 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 You know, this just came to my mind. It's not what I would normally say, but I've often used this phrase, like one of Toledo's best kept secrets. And as much as we've talked about our neighborhood and where we live, there's another one that I I lived in uh, previously that uh, I loved as well. And I moved for whatever reason, and I'm happy here. But if you're not familiar, uh, let me ask you guys, how many of you are familiar with the Beverly area in nope. South Toledo? Not oh, familiar. yeah. B- over by, I um, know I know the, I know where the school Down is. by Plate 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, in that oh, area. Sure. That's where my I, dentist is. That's why I know it. <laughs> I think that area between there over to, to River Road yeah. is, is one of Toledo's uh, just best kept secrets.
0: Huh. Plate 21 is right an awesome on. place to get some coffee if you're in that area. Yeah, my,
3: my dentist is literally a,
0: like a block
1: away from that coffee shop, so it's my post-dental cleaning stop as I go to Plate 21. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> the dentist loves yeah, that. Yeah, do one of the worst yeah. things for your teeth. Well, <laughs> well as you're done getting I, I do it cleaned. after they see me, right? So <laughs> I have six more months to clean up my act, which I don't do.
3: But. You, you know, another favorite um, is one, something you've already mentioned, but the the Glass City Cafe Music Brunch on Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. I've I've had the opportunity to witness people that have stumbled upon that. (laughs) That's fun. And they, they look like they have just hit the jackpot. Right. They're just stopped. They don't really know what this place is, or somebody told them they could get breakfast there. And they open up the door And there's live music, and it's this really fun and family-friendly, yeah. 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 And they just look like,
0: oh, my, we've hit the jackpot. (laughs) What time are you guys playing there tomorrow?
3: We play music from... 10 in the morning to one in the afternoon. Cool. So being musicians, when you talk to musicians or if you need somebody to sub for the gig, you have to be real specific. If you tell them you got a gig next Saturday from 10 to one. <laughs> <they're thinking laughs> seven, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, wait? you're at a breakfast place. Today? Yeah. But actually,
1: I think glass doesn't glass city open late at night for the post bar crowd. That's right. So it, it, it could be what, I mean do they ever feasible. have music during that time I don't think so no, no no it's more just here's something to stick to your ribs after you've had a few right drinks. The
0: games get out and stuff
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I always love those loved going there and, and I, I used to work at the courthouse and it'd be real close right because mm-hmm. it's you know black away and I always get the tuna melt there's a tip for everybody get, get the tuna melt uh, but now that I work at the other side of downtown, so far away, you know, I, I, I never make my way over there.
3: It's well then, okay, let's talk about this. One of t- what everybody should know about in Toledo, one of the great uh, unheralded treasures, Roman's Deli.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. corned beef, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Never been. Never been either. Where's oh, that man.
3: at? it's on uh, Jackson, right? Right by the Blade Building. In between the Blade Building and one government center. It's okay. just a little essentially takeout. A place. Okay. Uh, it's a shack about the size right of downtown. this room right here. Right downtown. <laughs> and Rubens that'll melt in your mouth. Nice. Yeah.
1: I, I don't even get the Rubens there. I probably should. I always just get the plain corned beef on rye. It was mustard. It's great. <laughs> can't fight the classics. No. Well, well, Rubens are classic too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Rubens are good. Especially a, a good Rubin can't beat it. Yeah. So, um, do you like being a lawyer? <laughs> asking people if they like doing what they're doing not as much as I thought I would yeah
2: no that's I think that's totally fair I got a question yeah. for you yeah. what's it like being a presenter at TEDx because that's when I first met you before right. tech, you know tech law. I, um, that was uh, both
3: so exciting and kind of humbling uh, at the same time that was a really uh, great experience um, yeah. having been to the the prior TEDx events I was down with the program and, and enthusiastic about the whole thing I understood mm-hmm. how it worked so to be invited to speak was an honor and to go through that process of um putting the putting the presentation together and learning it and hammering it and essentially reducing it to memory and then go through the different phases where you could recite it then yeah. get to the point where you actually just knew it and you could talk about it um it was uh, a wonderful it was a wonderful
2: thing it, i mean it was cool yeah how how long was your talk the full 18 minutes okay <laughs> and how long did it did you take preparing for that. Back in college, they told me it was like one hour per one minute of speech. Uh, maybe at least. Um, well, to get it memorized, I, I worked on it,
3: you know, at different, it, it kind of, you know, as I got closer, the frequency, I had a solid month. Wow! Of working wow. it and doing it again, and you know, you guys all did
2: so well too.
3: They brought us in. Um, I forget the gentleman's name, but it was from the UT theater department, or maybe oh. it's from Bowling Green. Excuse me. But it, and he, we we all had to, um, <laughs> you had to do this dry run in front of this gentleman, and he had to try to uh, correct us or do things oh, without wow. breaking our hearts. <laughs> Coach coached you up a little bit, and, and he did. Yeah. And he did. He was very. Uh, he handled it great. And, um, I think everything he said was very positive, but he had a couple suggestions. Here's how you might, Mm -hmm. you might consider this make it even better. Sure. And I, I took things away from that meeting and I did, I employed them in the, in the talk and he was right. And
1: I imagine some some of that stuff carries over too. I mean, it's not just for that one talk. If you, I mean, public speaking is public speaking, right? I mean, what was, uh, like a common theme that everybody kind of had to be coached on if there was one?
3: Like stand still, stand still,
2: stay on that. Would you have a red circle, Matt?
3: <laughs> yeah, a piece thing? of red carpet uh, <laughs> to not move around too much and to not use your hands too much. Mm. Uh, the, how you could get a little uh, out of that going a long way. But the, the big thing behind the speech was, um, and they gave us materials, one of the things was you can't go broad, but mm. go deep. You can't cover a lot of things, but take a single subject or a t- single example and go deep. Yeah, and and they don't really dictate to you guys as the speakers, well, you got to talk about this, right? I mean, that's kind of up to you. They gave us a broad heading. My assigned topic was folk music. Right. And the assigned topic for the entire uh, event was humans. Right. And that was it. Now, it was up to me to meld those two things together.
2: Sure, sure. You did a good job. You talked about... um, uh, this land is your land. This land is our land. Not it. it was a satirical song, right? Right. Yeah.
3: Um, there's the verse. They didn't. Te- if you're like me, that they didn't teach you in grammar school. Yeah. The ones about unions and, and standing in the the relief line. And yeah, it was uh, Woody Guthrie wrote that song in response to God Bless America. Uh, he his experience in the Dust Bowl uh, was different than what he was hearing on the radio and this, this Kate mm-hmm. Smith, Irving Berlin thing that, uh, that everything was happy and, and, and Rosie. So he wrote a song that told, uh, told it the way he saw it. And to me, that was a, a big thing when I, when I learned that at some point, uh, that there were these other verses yeah. that he had recorded
2: that, I think you played them for us, too.
3: We did. We were able to, yeah, use some yeah, sound clips there and, and recite those lyrics. And it really kind of flipped that song on its head. The, the example or one uh, analogy that comes to mind is the Bruce Springsteen song, Born in the USA. Right, It's it, and it's always funny that certain
1: politicians use that when probably they shouldn't.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that brought, that that chorus, the song is such a forceful and essentially, I don't want to say jubilant way, but, but you no, listen when you, to the rest of the song. Yeah, when you listen to the rest of the song, man, it's, uh, it's a pretty deep indictment. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's that aspect of it. So yeah, Woody Guthrie.
2: All right, we'll do our best to link that in the iTunes notes too. Well, we have IP concerns,
1: right? Yeah. No,
2: <laughs> you just... can link to YouTube. No problem. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're (laughs) okay. So we we got got two lawyers here. I was
1: trying to tie
3: in something here (laughs) because you're also the head of the TBA's IP committee. I am, you know, um, it's interesting how that came about. Um, this is a small committee, and I was the new guy, right? So I was fresh meat, so they made me the secretary. And uh, lo and behold, our our leader uh, was in the active military reserve, and he got deployed. Well, you got called up then. Yep, uh, so yeah, that's next thing you know, I'm I'm the president, and I'm I'm still the president. Um, but that's been a good um, that's a you know first time in all these years that I've really been actively involved in the bar association, right? And it's quite long overdue, and it's been a positive uh, it's been a positive experience. And as I've gotten into some of this uh, music, and I've had uh, let's say two uh, copyright infringement uh, cases that I've litigated, and to have that support, to so have some other people you could turn to to discuss those topics. Yeah. It was insightful.
1: And I, I guess the the IP stuff you do, is that tied with your interest in music? Or?
3: Yes. Really exclusively. I yeah. mean, um, M- music and, and visual arts. Sure. Again, going back, uh, in, in addition to playing music, uh, that's something I did for, for quite a while. Kind of my, my midlife crisis was I went back to the art museum yeah. and took some adult classes. <laughs> and um, Man, you could have spent way more money on your midlife crisis. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did that over there. We're looking at a drawing of a... Reclining nude. Uh, <laughs>
2: reclining nude. Yeah. That but but
3: that play. is the undraped figure, which is exactly what I did. I participated in a couple figure drawing classes on a real steady Wait, basis for as a couple years. a model of years. or? No, yes. a, okay. there's only yes. one. No, when you go there, there's only one rule, right? You either draw or pose. Right. Okay? There's okay. no just okay. hanging out. All right. But I worked. <laughs> yeah. I went uh, with a guy named Paul Geiger to his okay. studio for a really regular basis for a couple years. Mm. And uh, that was a really exciting experience because if you're not familiar, Paul is the gentleman who painted the large, like sixty foot mural at the Valentine Theater. Oh, cool! And so I had the uh, tremendous opportunity to see that thing take shape uh, when it was just when he was just research, mm-hmm. and oh, and, wow. and the amount of hours and things that went into that before paint ever hit canvas, and and how that was done, and that was a, a tremendous experience to see that to yeah, see that, that happen. That reminds
1: me a lot of um, uh, the Detroit Institute for Art. The, the, the They had a, you know, that, I'm blanking the guy's like name. Like Diego Rivera? Yeah, the yeah. Diego Rivera, big mural thing. They recently had the Diego Rivera and, and, and Frida, Frida Kahlo exhibit. It was tremendous. But, yeah, it was awesome. And it showed, like, the work in progress for that huge mural, basically, right? Right. I think it's technically something else, but because isn't it, like... I think that um, that's fresco fresco. Yeah, that's a fresco. That's right. I don't know my art terms. Sorry, but but yeah, so it, it would have been neat
3: to be like a fly on the wall for, you know, something, you know, maybe less significant, but still pretty neat. The the Valentine yeah, mural see, I'd go through that those incarnations and how he did the research, how he came up with those characters. Yeah, uh, some of the transformations. I'm lucky enough. He, he, he gave me an early preparatory drawing, uh, which we have in our home. Um, so it's yeah, it was a cool, I learned a lot just observing and being part of that process.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think we did uh, We did that Tech Law 2.0 conference downtown at Seed, and you were kind of talking about um, people stealing Instagram photos, right? Yeah. As it relates yeah. to intellectual property. Yeah, there's this guy, uh, Richard Prince, Uh, 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 by the way your talk was way more entertaining than mine Uh I was really embarrassed at how boring mine was and then he got up there and everyone was like holy crap Well, it's you know. Well, <laughs> you know uh, let's go on. You know? yeah. No, that was you
3: talked. We talked about reverse image technology mm-hmm. and how to uh, right, how to uh, like for example, a professional photographer. Yeah, can uh, search out and police uses of, of of their images, and Dan researched and talked about as well um, the idea of these invisible digital watermarks that are embedded in, in a photograph.
1: It's so like within the code sort of thing?
2: Right. Yeah. And in the metadata.
0: It's yeah, very right. meta. Thing. It's like an MP3 yeah. where it'll have like the what track it is and what the artist is. It's yeah. similar to that. Right,
3: so it creates this electronic footprint of always where that image originated. So you can, with the proper software, you can, you can find a use of that. You can track that and, and establish you know, through this electronic footprint that sure. it's, it's indeed your your image. Yeah. But there's this guy, Richard Prince, who's who um, does a lot of uh, collage work and a lot of what's, I guess, referred to as appropriation art. And one of the things that he was doing is taking other people's Instagram photos and making it. This is a, maybe arguably an important distinction is he would make a comment. Okay. And so somehow he, he's part of the process, right? All right. Yeah. They do the screen grab. He'd give that to an assistant who then prints it and stretches it on a canvas and was doing shows. Of he was making people. a killing. Yeah. Millions of dollars.
1: On blown other...
2: up Instagram snap shots.
3: Yeah.
1: He wasn't altering them at
3: all other than making a comment.
2: <laughs> so by commenting on, go ahead. Well, Got
3: that's the, well. It's not you know. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's in flux. He was part sure. of a, a, a recent decision that uh, uh, that helped clarify a little bit the concept of uh, transformative use. Okay, and that was one of the things where he was exposed and criticized in the prior case, is that he didn't. Uh, I want to say this critique it or comment there was no social comment so at least in the, the instagram photos even by making the comment and usually it was some kind of tongue-in-cheek or something kind of absurd that kind of gave it a different flavor but all of a sudden at least arguably he had inserted himself in the process but and the, made some sort of comment but the stuff he's making money off of doesn't have the comment on it does it
1: yeah yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Did? imagine yeah.
2: you're scrolling through instagram and oh. you click on like our recent right. post Click view comments. He would screen, grab that, print it out to like a five times photo. Oh, put I it was thinking it was like just the photo. Not no, the, yeah, okay. it's the whole, it's the comments, it's the likes, it's their name. And then he's slapping on a $500,000 price tag. <laughs> Essentially, you know,
3: he did a series of uh, photographs. He's smarter than me. He, he took a, um, there's a gentleman, a photographer did a coffee table book of Rastafarians. The guy had went and lived in Jamaica for a number of years and, and hung out and, and he did this coffee table book. And Richard Prince comes along, and he sees the book someplace, and it really hadn't got much traction. I believe I read it. It sold like 8,000 copies. You know, it is what it is, right? Right, yeah. yeah. But somehow he's got a hold of it, and he took these images, and he would, uh, some of them he enlarged, and he like scraped out the eyes, and then put like a guitar in their hand. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and blew it up the size of a wall, and and he had a show of these, and this whole show sold out, millions of dollars at, at issue. The photographer, right, gets wind of it. He wins the first court case in the, in the district court level, and yeah. the, the thing was, the district court judge ordered those uh, works of art impounded and gave him to write the, to even destroy them if you wanted. Now, remember, this is a show that sold out. There are people that have spent a combined millions of dollars to buy all these works, and now they've got a big cloud over the title. Who owns what? It was a a big thing in the art news there for for a while, but this guy Richard Prince. uh,
0: Interesting. It sounds like if you have a lot of money and you like to buy art, it's really about how big it is. Doesn't really matter where it comes from or who <laughs> did it. I just want something really big. Well, it's it was also,
1: amazing to me that they called that art. It's also like the the name of the person who's doing yeah. it. Yeah. Right? If, if right. Joe Schmo did this Instagram thing the would the gallery, they've sold had? for
2: five hundred grand. or right.
3: Probably not. Well, yeah. definitely not. They look like yeah.
2: old the ones you're talking about where he straped out the eyes and had guitars. They look like those old Andy Warhols.
3: Well, and that was how this um, decision made such waves like wait a minute what wait a minute what what would we have done about warhol if sure. warhol was making the soup cans today how would it be handled yeah um and so it, it had those kind of re, reverberations hmm. well
1: um thank you larry for stopping by
3: hey, thank we, you we, man. we really appreciate it when you, when you told me it was a show about interesting toledoans i was like <laughs> well, you count man
2: yeah. <laughs> so,
3: so i'm i'm uh, i'm humbled and thankful
2: Yeah. Hey, thanks for being here.
1: And real quick before
3: you go, just to remind folks again of the upcoming show, if you want to do that. The Ohio Theater Folk Festival on Saturday, November 14th, uh, music at 7.30. Tickets available at... Uh, org or come down and buy them at the door. And awesome. Does your, does your band
0: have a website or Facebook or something that you want to share?
3: Yeah, oldstateline.com. Cool. Try the good. easy, like everybody these days, the easiest thing to do is just you know like us on Facebook.
0: Right. <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Larry. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on episode six of the Toledo Matters podcast, and we hope to have you guys next time.